And welcome everybody to the Between Two Worlds podcast. This is Tyler Yonke, the show from Northern California. I hope you're joining us in today. Today on today's show, we are going to talk. Look, racing is ramping up in Europe, and so far it's been fantastic, bar for a tragic ending at the Tour of Poland. And we will discuss that the dangers, the thrills of sprinting, and give you a breakdown of the incident in Poland with your favorite cycling slash geologist slash YouTube star. Yes, those are all a thing. Uh, Jeff Linder, uh, the ride of the week, and I heart the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Friday, August 7th, 2020. I'm Tyler Yonke, and thank you for joining us today. All right, before we bring Jeff Linder in, I just thought I would tell you, um, yes, we are on the iHeart radio app, so search for us under Between Two Wheels Podcast. You can use the number two or TWO. Just watch out. There's a, there's a motorcycle one out there. They probably have more followers, but uh, if you want, I've had many people join our show thinking it's that uh, sudden um, rough awakening when they realize we're talking about Lycra. So let's bring in Jeff Linder. Jeff, how are you doing? And uh, welcome today. Hey. Good, good, uh, good to be on, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I hope some people come in. They, look, they can ask some questions. Uh, we're going to go through some things here. They can ask some questions, uh, give a little breakdown of what we're doing, um, maybe a discussion. This has been a pretty heated issue that we have online. But before we get there, um, for, I, look, for most people that know you, probably know me, but most people, that, so want to give you a little breakdown of who you are, just in case there's a ram, random person out there that doesn't know who Jeff Linder is. Well, I like your intro. That was a good <laughs> intro. I think you covered most bases. <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, a Bay Area guy, um, uh, picked up bike racing about a decade ago and um, really just got bit with the bug and I've been pretty much obsessed with it ever since and that kind of turned into um, a lot of this media that I produce, um, mostly on YouTube, uh, NorCal Cycling, where it started just with breaking down race footage and it's kind of going in different directions now. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. and. Um, so you want to racer for Mike's bikes. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about the different direction it's going? Because I've noticed a, a little bit of a change there. Uh, you've got a, a guest host uh, with you quite often. And so just give us an overview of kind of where that is now. Uh, some people it, say you've sold out. I don't know who those people are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you, you probably know this, Tyler. Uh, pr producing content isn't free. <laughs> it takes a lot of time right. and it takes a lot of money. Um, so it's nice to have sponsors, and um, and I'm very selective with the sponsors that um, I decide I want to uh, partner with. But uh, you know, on Team Mike's Bikes, we have a lot of close connections with Specialized. They're also um, headquarters is here in Morgan Hill, pretty close by. And um, so I've used their product for a long time. It's something I could stand behind. And then when they wanted to partner um, with uh, doing some sponsored content on the channel, people don't like it, <laughs> but also it means better content and more content on the channel that. I can afford, frankly. So um, that's kind of the direction that's going. Um, and the most recent thing was uh, was they had a bike release and they wanted me to help them um, showcase their new Tarmac SL7. So we did a kind of a first impression video. We're gonna follow up with a longer term impression video. And I, I mean, what do you want? It's a $12,000 bike. Of course, it's it's fun to ride, it's fast and everything else. So. Um, so yeah, what, that's that's where that's at. Who does it? What what are people? I mean, we you and I talked to, and I think it was episode one thirty three. People want to go back. Had a nice long interview with you. Great show. Thanks. Um, but if people want to know, uh, there was a lot of we talked about the animosity online and those kind of things. What are people saying that they don't like? They just don't like that you have uh, money sponsor or your influence now by this uh, great bike company. I don't know what. The <laughs> um, you know, I haven't gotten a whole lot of pushback from it. Okay. Of course, nobody wants to see an advertisement. I don't want to see advertisements right. either. But mm -hmm. once you get into this space, you realize it's kind of the cost of doing business because like I I hire people to help me with this. Chris doesn't work for free and um, videographers and editors. It's right. like it becomes it becomes a production. Um, again, Tyler, you probably know this, but a lot of people who enjoy the content but aren't making the content don't realize that a polished 10 to 12 minute video takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money. So um, so I think a lot of people don't realize that and they don't realize that uh, it, it can only really progress if you have sponsors um, or some way to, to fund this, you know? And sponsors, if they're giving your channel money, they want some representation and it's that's uh, an arrangement. So um, yeah, when I was working with, uh, with Specialized and um, I've, I work with a performance bike too, um, 
there's there's a give and a take. And I think people just don't like to see an ad on the channel. They think I'm a sellout. But like, I'm always going to be honest on my channel. I don't know. I recently, I don't know if you saw this, Tyler. I recently made a um, a video about a, an action camera that, that was sent to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and um, I wasn't super, super nice with them, but I was I was brutally honest and I was just really critical about the product because um, I want... I want the best for the people that are watching my channel. It's an expensive sport already, so I want people to you know spend their money wisely, and um, I'm not going to give them misleading advice. Uh, and if it's a review, it's it's my opinion. So yeah, I mean, take look, it, take it or leave it. Doing the podcast stuff, you know, I've got tons of stuff over the years, and uh, bike cameras, whatever, everything you're doing. You know, one of the first things I'll do. My son the other night, he was just trying to buy something, and I'm like, you know, figure it out, and then go look at some reviews, not just you know cheapest, because. Uh, I found that a lot of the reviews really are helpful, even if it's sometimes paid content or they're given in the product, you know, and they mention it. So, um, no, I applaud you for that. Do you have an affiliate link for the SL7? I don't know if that would be. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to really go, right? Yeah, no, no, I don't have an affiliate link or anything like that. But if you want to learn more, obviously, just go to Specialized. Um, If you want to know my first impression, I made a video with Chris Reichert, my teammate and friend, about our first impression of the the bike. But... um, yeah, well, I mean, we're doing some some ad spots on the channel um, where we give exposure to specialized, and um, it is what it is. Uh, you can you can skip forward through it. It's only going to last about forty seconds. So if you want to just cut straight to the content, skip forward I, forty seconds, and there it is. Right, and and I always say, look, I will sell out. If people want to give me stuff. You know, you mentioned polished ten minute videos. That's why I don't do polished videos. <laughs> too much effort. No, it does take a lot of time. And we'll get into all this stuff, but it's always interesting to me. The, the behind the scenes, we were just saying Tyler Pierce, who puts out some, some fantastic, some, his uh, Dirty Kansas video last year, I thought was really well done. And uh, I couldn't imagine the time and effort and everything that that goes into it. Because uh, sometimes I just do these and I don't do much cutting and editing at all. Um, so that's why we're going live. But anyway, um, we, I do appreciate your content and you've obviously grown your channel. You've done really well with that. Um, some of that uh, question I have real quick and we'll go on. Obviously, it doesn't look like we're going to even have racing in uh, this. U.S. this year or California specifically. Matter of fact, there was some racing down in Georgia, and then they were going to do some stuff down in Florida. And I think the uh, USA Cycling just came out and said we're not sanctioning these races. So that those events have kind of been have to pull off the board as far as being sanctioned. So um, you're just doing kind of the Elviso crit, I know. Um, how is that going? Are you still doing it currently, or do you not want to say on on? <coughs> no, no. Um, I, I stopped doing it. I'm going to wait for. Um I'm waiting for the numbers to come back down a little yeah. bit. Um, I, I did it after the uh, the kind of the first wave or whatever we're calling it. Um, the first bump, it settled down. The um, They lifted some of the restrictions in our county. Our local ordinance said um, it's, it's all right to go out in certain number of groups with certain restrictions, whatever, but they loosened it. So then I went out and did um, a couple of Alvisos, but then we, of course, we had that second wave after Memorial Day or so. And that's when I um, have been more cautious and I've stayed in. But uh but I still get sent content from from Georgia or from Alviso or from other places. So I still I'm sitting on uh, a lot of uh, race content. I don't know the story behind it. I don't know if it's just a local practice crit. I don't know if it's just a hard group ride. I don't know if it's a sanctioned race. But um, it's competitive bike racing, and that's what I like talking about. So um, I gladly still accept that, and I'll talk about it on the channel. Well, let, let's talk about look, and, and there are some people joining. If you guys have some questions, you want to put them, we'll put, put them up on the screen for what we're going to do here, or even something specific for Jeff. You want to know about some uh, rocks or whatever um, that I told you. <laughs> um, Mark Tucker, um, just put it in there. I don't know if you can see this on the screen. Alabama Jordan races are still a go. So maybe they're still going, but I don't know if they're going to be sanctioned races because it did kind of seem like there might be some question about that. But that's something we don't have a, any expertise on necessarily. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about the Tour of Poland. I thought we'd bring you in specifically because um, let's talk to a, a sprinter. Now, neither you or I are at this level, obviously, but we have eyes. We can see, and you do a lot of race breakdown. So I thought this would be a great um, avenue for, for us to kind of walk through it. You told me you have not really seen much or maybe you just haven't been involved in all kind of the drama. There's been a lot online. I mean, there's everything from... You know, Dylan Gronenwagen's a, a murderer to, um, oh, look, it's uh, Jakobsen. I saw this, actually. Jakobsen looks like he initiated contact and made his fault. I don't know. Uh, we'll walk through it. Um, your initial thoughts first and, and what you, you've seen about this, and then uh, we'll talk kind of from your sprinting angle as well. Yeah, so so Tyler asked me to come on and talk about the Tour of Poland sprint. And like you said, Tyler, I, I have been out of touch. So... Um, I'm actually coming at this with a pretty unique perspective because I haven't been caught up in all of the media craze about what's been going on. I've seen the headlines. 
Um, and then about six minutes before we went live, I went and looked at the sprint. So I am my perception isn't colored by every other commentator's input. So I kind of have this unique perspective. So I thought I wouldn't go read a bunch of headlines before doing this. So oh. my first impression, and I feel like if people disagree with this, uh, it's kind of crazy. Like Gronowagen obviously was at fault here. He, um, he was about to get beat, it looked like to me. I don't even think that's disputable either. Right. So he decided that he was going to shut the door on, uh, on Jakobsen and push him up against the barriers. I, I guess there's no way to sugarcoat it. It looked like he just um, saw he was going to get beat and decided he didn't want that to happen. So he uh, he shut the door on him, which you're not allowed to do in a sprint. As far as I as far as I know, you have to hold a straight line. Right. And I was trying to, you know, you'd. This is one of the most obvious things, and it's total failure on my part um, as far as the actual UCI rule. Now I did see here. Um, from Inner Ring website, uh, the rule on sprinting. He says, here's the uh, relevant uh, rule. It's 2.3.036 on sprints. Riders shall be strictly forbidden, strictly forbidden to deviate from the line they selected when launching into the sprint and in so doing, endangering others. He said, there's also a general rule on conduct. All license holders shall refrain from any acts of violence, threats, or insults, or any other improper behavior or from putting the other persons in danger. So um, that's pretty straightforward. And you know, there's a history of, uh, you know, go ahead. What do you think about the, the rule and, and how that uh, plays out? Sure, yeah, I mean, it sounded like he violated the first two parts of that of that rule, which were deviating from your line and putting somebody else in danger. Right. Um, because there, there is some, so like, when does the sprint start, right? This is, these aren't cut and dried. Like right. nobody can say for sure when a sprint starts. Um, that could be argued, but but they were certainly mid-flight sprint. They were like maybe 50 meters to go, 25 meters to go. They were right close to the line. And that's when Gronowagen decided to deviate from his line and put somebody else in danger. So like clearly he violated the rule, but there are some there are some shades of gray in there. And the point I was gonna make is like you can start your sprint. Let me see if I can try to describe this, and make a straight line diagonally across the road and not extremely di like you're not cutting across people's front wheels but you can go towards like the apex of a corner if the finish was was going through a corner or something or you can start your sprint and then go towards the barriers just to close that avenue because there's a distinction and sometimes it's nuanced between between physically endangering somebody by turning into them like what Gronewegen did right. versus closing an avenue which would otherwise be open so if there's a space up the inside and you take that, you occupy that space before somebody else has the opportunity to, that's a good sprint technique, but you're not endangering anybody and you're not changing your line. Let me, let me add, so Chris, Chris and Zimni, I got yours too, we'll add this too. So Chris Flower says, does the rule define what line is? And this goes exactly kind of to what you're saying, because as we've seen in racing, you know, you have a, a, a land park as an example, you know, the road kind of meanders and we're not following the direct line down the middle all the way. You know, there's kind of a short line, straight line, cut that we're doing, which I think is um, to be expected, and it, it, it's what you would do. Now, this road in particular was just long and straight, but um, continue on that if there was more that you had. Well, you bring up a good point, and what does a straight line mean? I don't know. I mean, if the road is curving, is a straight line um, the line that the road takes, or is a straight line like a ruler, like just an actual straight line? Well, this, that's a good question. Well, actually, actually, this does answer it, because let's, let's look at it. A rider strictly forbidden to, de this is the important part, deviate from the lane they selected. When launching, Lane, okay. which the launching into the sprint. So um, you're coming and coming in, I guess if it's kind of a weave, but you're heading straight through. Um, and that's weird because if the line is going, if the, if the road is bending a little bit, um, now we have a problem. And I would also say, and we'll, we'll get to the video, which kind of fleshed some of this out. Um, if, if Gronowagen's, because I, I, I went back through and there was some Buhani stuff. There's been uh, um, Cavendish in the 2010 Tour de Suisse. I don't know if you've ever seen that one where he just cuts across Hausler. Yep. I remember um, that. That was, that was gnarly. Right. And, and that was interesting because it showed his carbon wheel bent in half and then it yeah. sprung back. But the, the point on those ones, um, they're in the middle of the road and you're just kind of going down. What makes this one horrific is the crashing into the barrier as it was and, and exploding. You know, they crash right over the finish line. I mean, I, I think um, Jakobsen actually, well, they gave him the win, but uh, Dylan, when he was on the ground, he was already over the finish line. Anything else on that? Um, no, just the lane tells me that you're following the shape of the road. So if the road okay. is curving, then you're following your your lane with an A. Yeah, that's interesting though. 
Uh, yeah, it is. But I think that's that's probably the best way to do it. Okay, let's see if we can get this. Um, you ready to watch this, some of this? Go for it. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Okay, so there's no real sound on this. Um, and where's Grona Wagon? So this starts from a little ways back. Maybe part of it is, I, I heard it was super, super fast. Downhill, as you can see, the riders are flying into the finish. There's Grona Wagon on our left. Yeah, and Jakobsen's just got his number. Like, he's going to win this race. So here he starts to pass. And then Gronewagen right here is looking at him. And he knows what he's doing. And this is where he says, like, nope, not on my watch. And he kind of throws an elbow, too. Yeah, it's hard to determine. <clears throat> and I would, um, yeah, that's bad. It's hard to determine the elbow. Because you remember, remember the Cavendish uh, Sagan crash? And here's another. Now, look, this has def definitive lines drawn down the middle of the road. Which, so it's kind of super easy to see any kind of deviation. Yeah. Although, you know, the road looks like it's got a little squiggle here too. But straight, straight, straight. Okay, <clears throat> now now changing his line, changing his line, and just pushes him into the barriers. Now, I don't think he wanted to crash him out. No, no, no. But, <clears throat> but he wanted to win, and he was going to endanger some, somebody else. Like, like Jakobsen could have squeezed brakes, I'm sure. But, you know, sprinters in the last... I mean, the last lap, not even sprinters. Let's take a step back. If if you're let a crit me, let me racer, pause this right here. go ahead. It's impo it's impossible to think about <laughs> anything else during during a during a crit, right? You ever like tried to think about anything else? It's impossible. Now, a sprinter in the last 300 meters, all they're focused on is the line. Like Jakobsen probably could have could have said like, "Oh, you know what?" and then squeezed brakes and been like, "That's that's too sketchy. I'm out." But he was like, "I'm I'm about to win." And you got to remember too; these guys have their livelihood on the line. You know, they're right. doing this to support themselves and their family. And so, he was, and he was already well committed. Let's <clears throat> look at this one exactly. from, from over top, though. This is what you made the point. And actually, Brian Zimney, um, he, he said it's hard to determine if Gronewagen knew uh, Jakobsen was passing or not. Which um, it looked like he peaked. I want to watch it again though, because like I said, I've been I have been <clears throat> out of touch on this stuff. So gotcha. I want to see if he peaked. It, it looked like he looked under his elbow. But now I think Jakobsen uh, started too late. But you can see here if you if you look, uh, Gronewagen's full on sprint. He's uh, Jakobsen's on his wheel, sitting down, and now he starts yep. to go. Now it's not yep. a big kick, um, but he gets stalled, and yeah, that move there. Okay, That's like without question, Jakobsen was was going to win. You think so? Absolutely. Let's watch that again. Let's watch that again, if you don't mind. Let's go all the way back and, and review. So this. watch he within like three pedal strokes, he's already basically matching handlebars with Gronewagen. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, the 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 barrier, and let's, we'll talk about the barriers in a little bit. But um, yeah, I think I think um, Jakobsen would have won, um, no doubt about that, if that barrier wasn't there. Okay, so though they're just listening, you're gonna have to maybe check this out on YouTube. Jakobsen comes around the outside. He's obviously not. He's not coasting. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, it's the overhead shows it. The overhead shows it better because he, you know, he starts to pass with let's say 50 meters to go, and then with 30 meters to go, less than halfway there, he's already on terms with him. That's the way I saw it. You can see the road. How it's, it looks like it's ramped down, but it, I mean, it was really downhill. They were flying. Yeah, yeah, they were really going, which we can talk about safety and uh, issues as well. Um, there was a video I saw from right that Oof. person. It's it's a person that was staying. So uh, well, let's, let's finish this. Sorry, I keep showing this crash. I just kind of want to see this, the, the lead up to it. Do you, you have the overhead? Oh, there it is. There okay. This is what you want. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, because I think this shows it a little bit better. So, okay, so Gronewagen takes the front right here. Jakobsen's still seated. That dude's got so much power too. So he's still seated. And then I think this is about 50 meters to go watch. Already, he's basically matching handlebars with him, and there's still plenty of space. Yeah, like I think he would have won. I mean, it wouldn't have been by a bike length or anything, but he would have won by a, like a foot or two. Like he timed it perfectly, right? He's a he's a world class sprinter, and Gronovagan just went a little bit too early, and he knew it. I think that's the issue. He looked back, he knew it. He's like, "Oh, I'm about to lose." That's that, that's my interpretation. So, um, Chris asked this question: um, How wide is a lane? Are lanes, and then it probably goes back to the the, the uh, are lanes marked? There are rules, but they're written in a manner that allows too much interpretation. Yeah. Yes, I mean because you've got a free-flowing uh, thing. I think lane just as means, hey, when you put your head forward and this is the direction you're going, for God's sake, stay in that lane, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of stay in your lane type of thing. Um, that uh, that's 
it's okay. So I saw another video. It was, um, there was a cameraman on, if you're looking at the sprint from the finish on the left-hand side where Jakobsen went through the fence, um, there was a person just standing there videoing it. And right from the, the, the barrier, then it's a, there's a train track. So they were standing in the train track area there. And it just, it wasn't, I don't know if that had much to do with anything other than there's not much room, even if you blow through the barrier. And that's probably why they had it such built up. But then Jakobsen, as soon as he hits it, you can slow the video down. His helmet's off like ASAP like right away uh, as he, before he's colliding with everything. Uh, Brian Zimney went then through a bunch of videos and, and photos, and it doesn't look like he was normally a guy that wore his helmet too tight. So I don't know if that, you know, didn't help the situation, just, you know, people where I've had a, on the start line, a official come over and make me tighten it up. So, um, you know, that's one thing to think about. Anyway. Um, yeah, the lane question though is, um, <clears throat> I, so I think, the, I think the operative part of the rule is endangering somebody else because it's, there's going to be interpretation based on that. Like people deviate from their line because they're seeing cross-eyed and because they are really tired in their sprint, but they mean no harm. And I don't think anybody's going to get dinged for that, right? If you're just sprinting for for, uh, for fourth place, there's nobody else around you, but you're kind of erratic. Um, you're not going to make friends in the Peloton, but you're also not going to get relegated, I don't think. Um, this was in, this seemed to me as though it was intentional by Gronewagen because he knew that he um he was about to get beat i i totally agree now there's intentional of um i'm shutting the door on you which i mean have you ever done that sure i mean but the, right. the shutting the door so like that's also up for interpretation right because right. i kind of i kind of touched on it earlier which is like if somebody is trying to occupy occupy a, a favorable position in the sprint or leading into the sprint you can take that spot to prevent them from doing it. And this is like a common trick. Like, let me give you an example. So this was um, High Road, the HTC High Road, like one, arguably the best lead out um, ever uh, in the Pro Tour. They would, they would use their um, lead out guys who were peeling off to take up space. So it's not like they're deviating from their line and putting other people in danger, but they are making it so, for example, they peel off, let's say it's a right-hander, they peel off to the left, so now Cavendish has the inside lane, right, not right. line, lane, we'll say. Right. That's the going to be vernacular. And then the, uh, the peeling off rider is just to the left, so there's no space to pass them. So if you want to come around, you have to go around two riders into the wind along the white, the, the longer um, leg of the, uh, of the corner. So there's ways to to make this work without endangering somebody else. And I think that's um, probably what shutting the door, when people say shutting the door, that's probably what that means, is like preventing them from taking a better line. But if they've already if they've already committed to this line, you can't steer right in front of them to make to force them to, to squeeze their brakes. This isn't like football. This is a no contact sport. Right, and, and I'll say I've, I've had the door, the, the door shut on me. Uh, Davis was one, you know, the, the direction we were going last time I was there. It was uh, counterclockwise to the start finish, and I'm trying to pass up on the right, and a guy knows I'm there, and he's just you know the barrier, and so well, I had to slam on the brakes. And I just just thinking of that, it's different slamming on your brakes and being in control when you're seated and when you're in a full sprint. I don't think Jakobsen, he's out of the saddle, grabbing your brakes, and that concept is uh, that time is a much different uh, little concept, I think, than than just seated and and being able to pull yourself back as well. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And and these guys, these guys are uh, are sharks that have smelled blood. And he's not, he wasn't going to squeeze his brakes for anything, I don't think, um, because, uh, like I said before, I mean, he's he's uh, got his livelihood on the line, and him crossing that finish line first is why he was hired in the first place. So he's he's going for it, and ha having that mentality is what makes a good sprinter a good sprinter. So you put two of them ahead, it's like you know. Uh, <laughs> Right. I, yeah, totally. It's going to end in disaster. Uh, Brian Zimney says here, Gronewagen is looking up when he starts moving right. I, and this is what's interesting about being able to break all this down. Um, possibly, uh, Brian, you, you could be right. I, I wasn't paying attention. And, and we don't know exactly what Gronewagen saw. Um, okay, so there was the Tour de France crash, Sagan and Cavendish, pretty famous, right? And yep. uh, you look at that first thing, uh, you know, the, when I first tuned into the Tour of Poland, I got there late and I pulled it up and they were doing a slow-mo and I was like, oh, that's horrific. And then they show it in full speed, and full speed is, I think, worse because it just, it, you see an elbow come out of Gronewagen. You're like, oh, he flicked him into the barrier on purpose, which is kind of what you saw with Sagan. But then when you do slow mo, oh, uh, Sagan's, I mean, uh, Cavendish's uh, 
brake hood is under his arm and it pulls up. So, you know, things look a little different, but that's all happening right against these barriers. Any idea on uh, thoughts on barrier, um, what the UCI or races can do with this? You know, you're kind of a engineer type of mind. Um, you thought about anything like this? Maybe it's what you're calling. Not, not really. I mean, uh, I've seen sketchy barriers where you can see the edge of the barrier. Yeah. They should probably prevent that from happening. Do they determine um, where the bear are? The, are people saying that the barriers were misplaced or they are causing undue harm? So, the, um, Robbie McEwen, who uh, who's been in his fair share of, of bad wrecks uh, and, and does announcing now for um, Australia. Um, he said that when he was racing, he had come up with a de barrier design uh, near the end of his career uh, and, and submitted it to the UCI because he's like, with his, he thinks with a good, not necessarily his design, but with a, a good design, uh, Jakobsen would have more bounced off of this and would have had, you know, it, bikes still running over you, which is still better than meeting into an in, you know, a object that's not moving. So... Um, that's his his thought where because i mean he blew right you know and even i look back at the cavish one uh cavendish one today that they had at the tour and he hits the barrier very similar he's out uh actually further away you know leans over into it yeah. and hits it and comes back into uh the field of play so to speak so i think that would be a better thing than keeping them from obviously flying into you know cameras and and other people yeah, it certainly seems like there can probably be a better design. Um, I've never had a, I've personally, knock on wood, I've never had a, a bad encounter with the barrier. I've leaned against them at San Rafael yeah. a couple of times and been really close. Um, I've rolled over the, the feet of barriers. Yeah. You know, those, the, the vertical ones that yeah. aren't as good. I've rolled over the feet of barriers before, and that's kind of sketchy. Um, that's not that uncommon, un uh, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if they're not a, barrier then they're not doing really doing their job right yeah could be so um any any other comments here now patrick lefevre has gone out and he said uh i go to court this kind of actions has to be in uh, maybe it's his english i go to court this kind of actions have to be of cycling this is a criminal fact mister so um he's the D <laughs> yeah. ds for uh dequanic quick yeah. step and I, I think he's he's any, any, um, what do you, what do you think of when you're out there racing? Are you, um, are you thinking litigious and, and, uh, criminal actions on, on riders? Now we've seen, I mean, there's been some stuff, uh, that have happened and you, you know, whether it's, I don't know if it's UCI, but USA cycling has had some incidences with some people. Um, and I recall, I know, uh, Robert, Roberto Gaggioli, that was after a race. And there was another one, uh, Kyle Legrand and down in Visalia that was after a race, but there was one, I'm trying to remember what it was that was during a race of taking some riders out. And I think uh, Creed and, and Rally were involved or whatever they were at that point. Um, but have you ever had any incidents that you've thought was over the line like that? Yeah, there's people that have um, that have done things that I would deem as intentionally dangerous and harmful. And uh, that's resulted in their relegation or disqualification. I've never seen or heard of that resulting in actual like a criminal case, but this is a thing in sport, right? Wasn't there something in football? Um, I'm going to show how, uh, <laughs> how much I don't know about other professional sports. Um, wasn't there an issue in football where a guy like stepped on another dude whose helmet fell off? He had cleats on, he stepped on his head. Uh, right. That was, I, yes, exactly. Um, big lineman did that uh, a few years ago and someone might want to chime into who that was. Uh, but uh, on that aspect, um, this would, okay, so let's, Chris uh, Flower asked me today, he's like, hey, Lefevre, you know, does he even have uh, grounds standing to, to do this, you know, to file a lawsuit? So I think what happened is uh, Lefevre had actually reported this as a criminal incident to the Polish police, so now they're investigating. That's no different than you wow. seeing your neighbor, you know, getting robbed, right? You can do that. Um, I don't think a lawsuit's been filed, and if it is, that's, you're looking at a, a tort, of, you know, a, a personal injury, negligence, and there is, sports are rife with these kind of things. I mean, you've had, especially you think of hockey and football, those are kind of the ones, the seminal uh, cases that have come about and it's the assumption of the risk. You go out there and you participate. Is this people, everyone has duties to each other, but if you acted like boxing, just acted like that in a bar, you're gonna be arrested for assault and battery, right? Yeah, it's but, interesting, yeah. Yeah, but you can do that in sport. Um, now, in sport. <laughs> but now, if are you, are you expecting, is it something that's beyond, and I think I had a little quote here about one of the, the cases here. Um, uh, the essence of the tort uh, assumption of the risk is that the plaintiff should not be able to recover injuries caused by the plaintiff if he or she is willing to assume the risk of the inherent activity, which is we're all fine on. But it's when you go over and beyond and you're not ex something that you're, you don't expect to you know, encounter with their duty of care in that sport. So 
there's a few hockey ones. Um, uh, Mike, uh, let's see if I have, oh, Todd Bertuzzi, sucker punched the guy. He got uh, 20 games, you know, they get a little bit, but he also got assault and battery and he got charged with that. Uh, Marty McSorley uh, was in 2000, he hooked a guy with his stick, cut him up, yeah. he, he was done with his career and he was uh, 18 months of probation, found guilty of assault. So you assault with a deadly weapon. So you can definitely have that. This is what Lafayette, now I don't know, Polish law, Maybe, maybe you do. Uh, maybe, have you ever been to Poland? No, it turns out I don't know Polish law very well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, but I would, let's just take our, you know, what we have and, and sure. assume that it's similar. Um, you're going to have to assume that uh, Gronewagen knew what he was doing and that he intended to put Jakobsen into the barriers with this kind of outcome. And, and I can't see yeah. that. You would see no. much more different activity from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're the lawyer here, but uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that anybody would, be able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt that he intended to hurt him. I think he intended to get in his way. I don't think that he wanted to hurt him and and knock him off his bike. And and uh, that, I think that would be a hard case to make. Right. So uh, Mark Tucker says Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear off. Yes, that's totally not expected. At least not in that sport. Maybe a roller derby. Um, and then this guy. Um, uh, let's do this. Is uh, I don't know who Jumba. Someone else. They're saying that was intentional. So that, let's talk about that. You think that it was intentional that he was, as we'll just use the word, closing the door. Um, yeah, but I do. Do you think it was intentional of the outcome? Like, so I haven't done the full race breakdown that it seems like a lot, the rest of the internet has. So I'm I'm playing catch up here. But my first impression, we would just watched it in slow mo a few times. I watched it in in real time uh, a few minutes before coming on the show. To me, it looked like he intended to, to shut the door on him because he was like, oh, I'm about to lose. I better not allow him to pass me. And um, I don't think that he intended to, to crash him out. Yeah, okay. I, I don't either. So therefore, what do you feel about, uh, what do you think the UCI, I mean, and look, we're just two, um, two guys on the internet here. We're you know, Cat 1 <laughs> racers in California, but we're pretending that we're in charge here. What, what do you think the UCI should do, first of all, for any kind of, um, penalty for Gronewagen and his team, and then maybe any ideas about going forward of what we can kind of do for safety on this. I mean, well, then know, let me just say one more thing. You know, I don't yeah. know if you saw, you said you haven't been watching much, but there was one of the first races they just had a few weeks ago. Guys come around to last corner, maybe 200 meters to go. There's a steel or like a big concrete pole in the middle of the course. So the UCI is fine with this, right? Yeah. But, but, yeah, uh, that well, that's a whole other can of worms. But if I were um, if I were an UC, a UCI official, just looking at this, I would think yes, there was an, there was intent behind. Like he, they need to punish him. I don't think that he can continue racing. Did he continue racing? No. Well, he they pulled out first. Of all, he was DQ'd, and I think he was kicked out for the tour. And then um, his team said, "We're going today." They announced that they're not going to allow him to race until this is all figured out. And I think that's for the best because I think it's more than anything. Yeah. Um, probably not good mentally for him. He's probably having a tough time with this. I'm assuming unless, you know, some people think he's, he's all good with that. Um, and then just, you're going to get hate from everybody too. So yeah. Good move from the team. Um, so there hasn't been a ruling from the UCI. You said they, they DQ'd him and they pulled him out of the race, yeah, but there's and, been nothing else. Right. Right. So yeah, do, I think they should go ahead. I'd say they should probably, um, they need to make an example of him and, and say like, this is unacceptable because uh, to me, there was there was intent behind it, um, not to necessarily like we said crash him out, but to to do something that put him in harm's way. Um, so they fine him or suspend him or do something like that, but they they can't just say okay you're out of this race um, and give him a little slap on the wrist. I think there needs to be more than that. Right. And Jason Grafath says this armchair QB that's according to him is, uh, give Dylan Gronewag in the rest of the year and maybe half of the year off. Um, okay. Um, I personally so here's here's part of my my. And I'm going to play both sides here. Part of my problem, what I see immediately, you know, that someone else in here is saying um, a few hundred thousand dollars, like 20 grand. Um, you know, he, this was intentional. He's, he's a bad guy, whatever. Um, I, I think we are so in a, in a spot that we don't, everyone should be safe, right? And we've seen that with even COVID stuff, right? We're worried about everything. But this is manifesting itself. You, and I know he put uh, Jakobsen in danger, but but for the fact that maybe a bad barrier, you're not even having really this conversation. He's going to sit a year and a half out. So, um, you know, Rex have gone. I don't know if you've seen Rex before. Jalabert hitting the policeman. Uh, Abdul Japarov has no. some famous. I mean, there you can look at them all. You know, and even the one with Cavendish. If you look at that one, if you actually watch Arnold Demar, who wins that stage, 
his move to the left is much worse than Cavendish, but he's doing it in the middle. Is that funny? I noticed yeah. that same thing. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that was yeah. funny that people don't often talk about. And then there's that headbutting incident in Robbie like McEwen. the 20. Um, no, I think it was. Was there, no, it, there was another one. Okay. I think. Uh, yeah, we're talking about a different one. The one where um, uh, what's his name? The uh, um, Australian leadout guy for uh, for Cavendish gave a headbutt in the 2012 tour. I want to okay. say. Something. Ren- Renshaw. Like, Renshaw. Renshaw. Thank you. Yeah. Ren- Renshaw gave the headbutt to somebody, and he got DQ'd for it. That's right. And um, and the funny part is, is like they they laser focused on the headbutt, but moments later he pulled off and just and just went right. He looked back, and then he went right in front of the guy that was trying to sprint up the inside. Right. right. And it's like nobody talked about that. That was the dangerous move. Well, and, I think- and before I forget, I want to say. Yeah. Um, you bring you brought up a good point. I just don't want to forget it. I want to um I want to it's worth repeating. Had Jakobsen used the brakes and then done like the classic cyclist uh, gesture, like what are you doing? You know, right. and throw a hand up. This would have been a completely different story. Is it any less dangerous? No, it resulted in a crash. So obvi- everyone's obviously focused on it. But if he would have squeezed the brakes and threw threw a hand up, Gronawagen would have been relegated to the back of that bunch. Jakobsen would have been given the win, and then we would have just wiped our hands of this whole thing and move on to the next stage. Right. Right. <clears throat> that's very true and um it would have obviously been a safer thing you know he just needed to do the flop like they do in uh, soccer or vladi divac in uh, <laughs> yeah. old basketball so um it, and and you know what it's always interesting because uh and i and i've been glad over the years that they pulled the trigger on those kind of things right when someone deviates and a guy throws his arm it's usually like bahani or someone that's complaining outrageously for no reason but when these other guys <laughs> do it He's such an actor. That he guy. is, and and he'll he'll wipe you know do the same things. Um, but when they do, they've 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 relegated guys, and I think that's great to try to get them straighter. Because once again, uh, you go back there, a guy, one of these wrecks that I, I just watched it again today. I think it was uh, Jalabert, or no, it was Abdejaparov. It's the final stage of the Tour de France, and the road is so wide, and you know they're deviating, and cra- there's no reason to do that. So um, let's see if uh, we've got any more um, comments here. Uh, Chris Flowers says, just outlawed dying in bikes races. Okay, well, you, if, no more dying, people. I don't know that Jakobsen has died, d- dead. So um, what do you think about this one? The the, the downhill uh, bike races, uh, should we outlaw downhills in bike races because people have died? Uh, no, but I mean. Well, I think, he's being, I think he's being, I think he's being facetious. He doesn't but have the- any humor in him. So no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but what about. You like mentioned. A, go ahead. No, oh, you meant you mentioned um, you mentioned the road furniture in some of the classics, and I think that is a place where they can do better because it seems like every year there's an incident with a bollard right in the middle of a road or something like that. Um, and some sure sometimes it's due to the rider not paying attention, but like a lot of times if you look at it, you're like, oh, you know, these guys have to. It's like a seven-hour classics ride, and then they have to be laser focused the entire time make it really obvious there has to be a marshal on every one of those things way far in advance um but no that you can't you can't abolish downhills like obviously that's no. a big part of the sport <laughs> bike handling right no and, and, and just I, ask I, you know <laughs> i'm totally in agreement um but what about uh, some of the crazy finishes you know we've seen these i think the Giro will be typical of like a, a corner right before the finish on a big oh, sprint. Yeah. Um, you know, this one having this massive downhill where the guys are saying, you know, some of them are running ridiculous uh, chain rings and stuff just to, to get it going. And, you know, they're, they're doing very fast speeds. Um, and I, I guess, you know, different towns, you kind of want to have it put into a finish line at a certain spot. So I guess there's things they can maybe kind of do there. So. Yeah. Uh, corner right before the finish is, is terrifying. Um, even the stuff we have, I don't know if it's as extreme as some of the, um, the big world tour stages there where there's been complaints, but like, yeah, if you have a corner 50 meters, a, a tight, you know, uh, tightly radius corner, of uh, 50 meters before the finish, it's just, who's willing to take the most risk into that corner. And that's not, that's not necessarily good sport because you're going to get a pile up. And I think that they quietly, they secretly want there to be a pile up in that final corner for the publicity. You know, um, the nineties, uh, was it nine? Yeah. I, how old I am. Uh, we used to come out and do, it was called the Sequoia Cycling Classic. It's uh, Visalia. They had a, the, the crit, same crit course, and then some road race. They would put in the newspaper, it was last turn, uh, they put, um, hey, this is the corner to come sit on because that's where all the crashes are. And they put bleachers up there. 
and you would have, you know, crash every race, just have a big, <laughs> big crash in this corner and people enjoyed it. And that's kind of gladiators, I guess we are. Uh, but you know, I mean, look, some of these, you know, the tour, some of these big, you know, UCI stage races, you don't need to have that kind of thing for finish. Um, I don't, I don't want to say that you do for other sports or for other categories, but it's just not quite the same speed. It's not quite the same power. And especially in America, we have, you know, typically much wider roads and stuff as well. So um, let's see if there's any other good comments. Cause I say good because um, not all these are that great. Um, <laughs> Wait, Mark, internet comments aren't all fantastic. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see if I didn't even read this in 1965 giants pitcher Juan Marcia. Oh yeah. Hit Dodgers catcher in the head with a bat at least twice opening, drawing blood and requiring 14 stitches, no criminal charges. Well, it was 1965. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the update uh, a little bit. So, uh, Crazy. Have you um, followed uh, world tour racing much uh, other than that, uh, this little incident? And, and if not, why not? What's what's your problem? You're... I've been making content, man. Okay. Well, tell <laughs> us about what kind of content's coming up. Oh, um, well, I always have um, the old standby. I have a lot of race analysis to get to. Uh, for those of you who sent race footage in, just be patient. I'm getting to it. I love talking about bike racing. Um, so I always have those. And then um, have a couple of other things going on that aren't that aren't final yet, so um, I won't spoil it. But uh, but just some cool kind of narrative content where I'm trying to tell a story or do a test, you know. And I just want to inform and educate and have fun. Bikes should be fun, you know. And that's kind of like the point of of that narrative content that I like putting together. How's your writing been going over the last since what March since we shut down? Yeah, um, I was. I was going good early this year. We only did a, I only did a couple of races and um, had a win and ha had a podium and had a lot of fun doing it. And um, the fitness was on track. And then it kind of kept going after after the the initial kind of March round of of shelter in place. And I was still highly motivated because I thought just like everybody else, so hopefully this blows over. And then I don't know in June or so, I'd kind of lost motivation, stopped riding for a while, and. Uh, and I got back to it just because I I like racing. I don't need it to stay motivated, but um, I did. I was looking forward to racing this year, so I kind of got back into it in the last couple of weeks. But um, but it's been hard. It's I. It's been hard. You know, it's first time in almost a decade where I haven't done racing. You know, it's weird. When you have a young child, so is that is that causing you any um, other reasons just to just not get out and ride then, or you just well, of course, out? yeah. Of course, I mean, when I get out, it, my time is limited. Uh, I'm working. I'm still working from home. Um, have a family. Have a have a young daughter, and uh, so every time I get out, um, I try to make the most of it. And and I've done a, I've crafted a pretty good training plan on like how to make the most out of you know six to eight hours a week, and that's kind of how I get by. Part of it is that I focus on crits. Right. Well, that's all I've done. My I've doubled, maybe tripled my training time. So I I have not been this fit in a long time. Uh, but I'm eating more, so I'm not really correlating that <laughs> as well. So, uh, this gentleman or lady, I'm not sure it's a, it's a name I probably can't pronounce. How many Watts can you do? Let's what's, uh, what's your, watt all, of them. All, all of them, <laughs> all of them, all of them, all of them. I think that was, uh, that was the, the quote. I think Chris Riker gave us, um, at one point, uh, when, in, in, when I interviewed him at Chico, all the Watts. So all of them. Yeah. yeah. Don't leave any behind. Take no. them all with you. <laughs> uh, that's good to know. Um, okay. So you've got that going on. Any, um, any, how about, uh, let me ask you this. I know you know about professional cycling. So this week we want to make sure everyone knows this. Um, last week I picked Strada Bianca winner, Walt Venner, just yay for me. Um, Milan San Remo's coming up. Uh, would you like to throw your hat in the ring about who, and by the way, Wout's my rider of the week for last week. Uh, just throw him. Annemiek Van Vluten did the last 20 some K of Strada Bianca. I think at the same, like top three of everybody that's ever done that, at least with Strava. So um, she obviously is a, is a person to think of there too. And then Brett Brookwalter was in that top section as well. He was seventh overall, and I guess he just flew in the last thing. But um, do you have a pick for Milan San Remo? And uh, I know you follow cycling at least enough to, to throw a name out there, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I followed enough to throw a name out there. Um, and I'll, I'll take I'll take Philippe. Okay. I assume he's racing it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he is on the list, so uh, Philippe. Um, I'm actually going to go. Chris Flower wanted to put in his. He texted me. His, You're taking Chris Flower for Chris Flower for the win. He's been uh, bulking <laughs> up for the downhill. Um, he he wanted to do Caleb Ewing, which I think is a is a good one. Uh, oh, he gets that's over a there. good pick. I'm going to go with the the 
this is the COVID survivor. It's uh, uh, Gaviria. You know, he had COVID. He's survived. He's already won. Oh, did he really? Yeah. It, early oh, on, he's like, I, I tested positive. I didn't, couldn't really tell I had it. So he was one, one of those guys. So, yeah, I think it was. Oh, well, he's stronger because of it. He's supercharged now. Right? He, he might be. <laughs> he might be. Yeah, he's got. Well, you know, what's interesting. You watch it. He was in a Burgos. I think that's where he won a stage. And um, everyone else has masks. He has a, a, a basically a certificate of freedom, I would call it, uh, from the UCI that he does not have to wear a mask. He doesn't have to, you know, whatever. He's he's golden boy. I'm wondering how this is going to play out, you know, um, like, uh, my, my coworker, he, he really early on, like back in like March or something, I don't want to get too, too sidetracked here. Sorry, but he got, um, flu like symptoms and it was yeah. right when this thing was, was taken off and he's like, Oh my God, I think I have it. And he went and got tested. And by the time he got the results back, he, his symptoms were already going away. So I was like, dude, you better hope that you had it because right. then you're, you got to, you know, you're off the, off the leash. And he's like, no, I didn't have it. So unfortunately for him. It was just like the regular seasonal flu. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, I would be interested in some of those people that are tested uh, early on, you know, the testing I think has gotten better. There was, you know, some error rate that may have been a little higher, especially yeah. to begin with. So maybe he needs to go back and, and check out his antibodies. Um, so who did you pick? Alaphilippe? Alaphilippe. Okay. Yeah. Um, just one other thing here. And I know there's been some bad blood back and forth here. Bradley Wiggins, just a news story here. Bradley Wiggins backs Chris Froome to win the fifth Tour de France. What's your, what's your take on that? Oh, <laughs> I guess I could wait. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have a lot of like panache, you know, like it's, he's not exciting to watch. Of course, the Giro thing was, was pretty amazing. And he had a moment of like crazy glory, but okay. I want to <clears> see like the underdog. I don't know. I'm tired of seeing so like who's the, the underdog then this year. Is, isn't, oh, he the, isn't he the ultimate underdog this year? Because right? of his new team? Well, he's not on there yet, right? But he's, you know, Bernal's won. He's, you know, helping him out in the the uh, the, the Aline or whatever it was the other day. Um, he had that fake crash, you know, where he he, he took out on the <laughs> Dauphiné last year. Um, is is Froome not a, an underdog? And and then who would be your thought for the tour this year? I'm not good at I'm not good at this game, but I'll I'll make a comparison. No, I, I won't. I probably won't be able to say a, a name, but um, but like one of my favorite tours and probably. I'm a little biased because I was actually there to watch it. But um, when uh, um, when uh, Lance oh my God, the Austri- no, the <laughs> he's yeah, gonna win. Yeah, the it. true underdog. Right. Um, no, the Austri- when the Australian won in 2011. Why is his name not coming to me? Um, K- uh, uh, Evans, Cadell Evans. Cad- thank you, Cadell Evans. Yeah, um, that was a lot of fun to watch yeah. because he felt like an underdog. He took it on the last day, um, and. Uh, that was exciting because it wasn't just like the big team with the big marquee rider right. taking the <laughs> yellow jersey on the third day and then just holding it to the end. So I don't know. I want to see some drama, I guess. I don't really care who wins, even if it's Froome or whatever other favorite there is. I just want to see a little bit of drama and I want to see like a story play out, like somebody coming back from way behind, like Froome did in the Giro. That was that was cool because he had a rough start and then he kind of clawed his way back. That was exciting to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Mark Tucker wants to know, and is Alviso st- still uh, Alviso happening this Tuesday? Dude, bigger numbers than ever. Head out there. You 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 won't see me out there. Um, the numbers. The speaking of numbers, the COVID numbers are coming down. So um, hopefully I'll be back out there soon. Trust me, guys. I am chomping at the bit. I want to get back out there, but um, my living situation is not is not good. I um, it would be um unreasonable for me to go out there. It'd be unfair for me to go out there, but pretty soon I'll be back out there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. the answer is, is yes. There's a lot of people. Um, good. And, and so, uh, you know, I hope obviously we want this pandemic thing to get over and people to get out and ride. I, I push for, you know, whatever you're doing, uh, get some sunlight, get some vitamin D and make your own health as good as you can be. I mean, that's, that's one thing I, I'm not a doctor, but, um, I, it seems logical to me to have that. And so I've been I've been getting outside and doing the best I can. What's your favorite uh, race that you're looking forward to pro race this year? And then what race would you like to see uh, in California before the end of the year? Okay. Um, <clears throat> before the end of the year in California? <laughs> yeah. Like of the, the rest of the calendar. What's, if you had one race in California to do um, this year, you're like, they're like, hey, this is going to be the only race. Matter of fact, it'll be district or, you know, state criterium or state road yeah. what's what's kind of your pick for that that you'd want to do and then what's a race in the uh, the, the world tour that you want to see um i would love to uh i'd love to go do cats hill mm. um we have gone a couple of years now without it and to be honest the funny part about that is it's like it's a little bit too hard of a race for me 
Um, but I feel like my fitness has gotten better and I've been smarter about positioning and things like that. So, and I tell, my, I tell myself this every time we do cat sale, but I'm like, this is my year because <laughs> I want it as a three. Mm. But um, I would love to do cat sale, even though I don't think that um, it might be a little too hard for me, but that would be a lot of fun. Also, I love Santa Cruz. Um, both of those races are, are awesome. Yeah, and I'm you, bummed to, to miss them. You did uh, you did well there last year. I'm trying to remember. I was there in that race momentarily. I'd done the Masters earlier. Um, anyway, yeah, actually two of my favorite races as well. Cat's Hill especially. I really do like that one. What about a World Tour race? What do you want to see this year? Um, what are you excited to see? And obviously you haven't watched anything. So <laughs> what's something that you may gradually just tune into? Oh, um so is the tour still the tour still happening? This is how I, this is yeah. how how out of touch so, so I tour is happening first at the end of the month, and then they're then they're the Giro and then the the Vuelta, and they're kind of overlapping. I mean everything's okay. just crammed in there. It's classics. You pick a race, throw a name on the board, and you're you're there. Part of me is really excited to see the tour. I'm usually more of a classics. I enjoy watching the classics more. You know, um, Perry Roubaix. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy the heck out of that, but that's one day and I, I need my fill on watching bike racing. So part of me is excited to see a crazy month or two of like world tour stages where I get, where I get a nice feed, a slow drip of content every single day. Right. Well, you're going to, you're, it's not a slow drip right now. There's everything is just coming at us like a <laughs> big water through a pipe. It's huge, huge amount for us right now. So, okay. So before you go, um, any other last comments or anything you want to push or plug? Um, uh, no, no, I don't know. Um, I'm coming out with content pretty soon, um, that, uh, I'm excited about and, uh, that I'm going to have a lot of fun making that, um, that hopefully if you guys enjoy, just, um, you know, let me know which kind of direction you guys want to see. If you want to see more bike racing content, um, I have plenty of that. Or if you want to see more of the kind of the testing and narrative style content that I come out with, I enjoy doing both. So, um, so just check out my channel, NorCal Cycling, and let me know. The the one video I watch of yours um, every few months, I go back and see it again. Uh, you're not going to probably appreciate that as much as I do. Is um, how to how to do overlays on a on a, on a video. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, oh yeah, the green screen. Oh yeah, dashware or the whatever. So I, every once in a while, I go back. I just keep that one saved, and uh, you've you've helped me many times. Uh, so I appreciate that. Awesome. Right, yeah. well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Um, and enjoy the people coming in in the chat. So you brought them out. You brought, uh, we got more viewers today. We got people, we're trying to do this every Friday nice. at one thirty. So any other time you want to join in, you have some more stuff to say, we'll, we'll bring you in as well too, Jeff. I'll be better prepared next time. Thanks better, Tyler. Better prepared. You're, you're doing just fine. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Between two wheels podcast, episode 186. Uh, check us out. Like I said, we're on the, um, iHeartRadio app now. So check us out. We're everywhere. So once again, thanks Jeff and uh, have a good weekend. Later guys.